The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. Hello and welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Newman, and this week we are reviewing The Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro. Wow, I almost messed up his name. I knew I was going to do it. I can say it. I don't have a lisp, I, I swear. Uh, also joining me this week is Trevor Flynn. How are you, Trevor? I'm fine, man. I'm excited for you to come visit me. It's going to happen, right? I don't, don't. I'm trying not to be premature about it, but yeah, I think, I think maybe... I need to use some vacation time. I think the time has come. It has come. He can come see my house. And if you want to ask anyone about my house, you can also talk to Sean Solis, who was just here. How are you, Sean? We were just talking about that, actually. I'm good, man. Uh, uh, It was good to be up in North Carolina for a little while, despite the fact it was, you know... 15 degrees. <laughs> it was. But, but it we was, had a lot of cocktails to make up for that, so it's, it's all it good. It was. It was 9 degrees here last night, <laughs> um, and it was. It sucked. It, it really, really sucked. It was... <sighs> I, I'm done with cold weather. It's, it's like we've hit that critical point where I like... Cold weather is like a, is like a neat, nice thing in North Carolina because we don't get it most of the year, but like right now I'm like buttoned up everywhere and I'm not, I'm not here for it. We're also joined this week by somebody who is decidedly not in cold weather. How are you, Ben? How worse? <laughs> I'm good, and I'm, I'm not on fire either anymore, so that's an added bonus. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I've restarted my Stardew Valley addiction, so if you don't hear from me in a week or so, mm. please call the authorities and wretch me away from trying to build, I don't know, more turnips or whatever I'm trying to do in that game. It's a weird yeah, space <laughs> elevator. Yeah. yeah. I have to I have to get gold level turnips for the bundle, you don't understand. <laughs> I I I, I, got, I bought right, it. I, I bought it for my uh, my nephew too, so I'm giving him a little seven year old uh, the addiction as well. <laughs> and weirdly, okay. he enjoyed it, which is weird. I thought he'd find it very boring, but he actually is. Don't you it. love how you find yourself a man of means, and you're giving children video games so you have an excuse to play them too? Oh, that's great. <laughs> so great. My favorite thing that happened, like my favorite like adult moment that happened this weekend, is that I went and actually bought the Audible book of like Fire and Fury. As we yeah, like, I mean, me, and, me yeah. and Katie is yeah. that good listening? Oh my I'm god, it's actually it it's actually fan, fan fucking tastic. All right, done. <laughs> I'm so no, mad that done. Amazon is back ordered. I should just cancel my order and get the audiobook. Yeah, Hemingway can I, wait. <laughs> I highly, I highly recommend it. It's a they they've obviously like upped the quality on the audiobook. It's it's very good and like and you can just tell that the reader is just like getting sassy at points. <laughs> he probably shouldn't be. Like he's just you can tell like he reads a thing and he's like. <laughs> He's almost like in the background, so it's not like a it's not like a Harry Potter level production, but it's a it's still pretty good read. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I was driving to IKEA and I was like reading this like uh, this like political biography like on audiobook, like talking to Katie about what furniture we were gonna buy, and I was like, I'm an adult. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm talking about the news of the day. I don't know. Okay, right. But let's talk about uh, some uh, really really high quality fish porn. That's gonna make me feel good about my life. <laughs> Choices. Don't reduce really, it to that. Really classy. Very classy. <laughs> like, really, really classy. All right, I'm going to read the summary real quick for Shape of Water. No <laughs> no trailers today. Uh, 
Elisa is a mute, isolated woman who works as a cleaning lady in a hidden, high-security government laboratory in 1962 Baltimore. Her life changes forever when she discovers the lab's classified secret, a mysterious, scaled creature from South America that lives in a water tank. As Elisa develops a unique bond with her new friend, she soon learns that its fate and very survival lies in the hands of a hostile government agent and a marine biologist. That last bit was a little bit confusing on the thing, but that's the official. That's the official thing, and I feel like it just should have said "fish boning" in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't. I didn't know her name was Elisa, and I didn't know that like the fucking fish creature came from South America. Like both of those were news to me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, yeah, that was at some like, point about in, Amazon. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I trekked down to the Amazon to catch this thing, and they revered it as a god. Like that's the that's kind of like the general background that we get for the uh, for, for the, the fish, fish creature. creature. Uh, this is this again. This is Gilmer de Toro, and uh, it is a artistic take. It's actually like a very straightforward love story. It's loosely based on the on kind of like a sequel, essentially to the creature from the Black Lagoon. And essentially, it's like what happened if the girl and the creature from the Black Lagoon was really into what was happening uh, with the creature. And yeah, he's like, you know, those psychosexual stuff in those movies. Let's just let's just make it sexual. Let's just like go for it, you know. Yeah. Let's right. go which, which is like in and of itself, it's like it actually kind of simplifies. The, it's like it's actually a very simple movie. In it's itself. an adult and fairy tale. This is the best way to describe it. You yeah, know, it's a, yeah. There's not there's not like a there's not like a there's not like a huge lift for anything. And there's another there never needs to be like a massive explanation. But on that level, like a lot of the things that are doing in this movie, it's just done very 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 succinct and well, in my opinion. Um, we're gonna get to some more opinions. Uh, Sean, you saw this movie with me, and uh, I have to admit it was a great experience to go with you because I haven't like gone. I, this is this was not <laughs> this, this was a movie to see with a friends. This is not a movie. This is not a date movie. It would be my thing. Um, well, it was really funny because I think we we went shopping for like glassware beforehand, and then we got like <laughs> we got like a big shared tub of popcorn. And I'm like, oh, this is cute. Like, yeah, so yeah, it was, it was a, a great, bizarre, no, it was a, it was a it was bizarre setup. Mandate, like I, it was like it was like my favorite mandate I've been on in forever. And then we were just like we were just like I had to admit, like I I really like I feel like in any other situation, like I cracked up in a p- couple parts during the film and i feel like if it had just been me i would never have cracked up in that film at all (laughs) yeah yeah no i think it's a better experience for sure i mean i i enjoyed it uh i i really liked uh just that opening scene brought me back to bioshock on this like everything's kind of floating in the water and the way they like shot it and the lighting and everything and like oh it's so cool yeah when this when this film was first being advertised just because it had this font over this 1950s sort of wallpaper i was like secret bioshock movie (laughs) (laughs) right right which which actually i think the bioshock movie was in development for hell forever and never went anywhere which is kind of interesting because by uh by gore verbinski who then put all those ideas into uh what the fuck's that movie you hated um uh, cure for wellness. Oh, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't actually. I feel like this captures that aesthetic a lot better. Like kind of like the the old timey music playing over like a disaster. Kind of. I love how that that room is like is like the most expensive like dis- like slum. nostalgic movie slum. Yeah, it's like it's perfectly yeah, cut it's- in half so that like the <laughs> yeah. sad gay man and the sad mute woman can like be sad next to each other and then it's over right. a fucking <laughs> old school beautiful movie theater like it's i know it's not that sad. nobody knows how about so slum cheek how about that <laughs> yeah slum I, 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 I think it's, I like, that, I think it's yeah. like 
yeah everything is just like lovingly shot in that in that film and uh the story is just really succinct it's it's you know it's it's tight it's it's all it all kind of flows in a way that that makes good sense uh you know, it was just a it was a good movie to go to go see. You know, it was like the weirdness aside, like it, it, from a technical standpoint, like script writing, it was solid, <laughs> which was which was nice. You know, kind of a departure from some of the things that have also been coming out this uh, holiday season. <laughs> yeah, I also think that this was for me like maybe probably one of the better love stories I've seen this year. So, yeah, I would agree. I would like, agree. I'm not even like, I'm not even like, I know I'm like, I'm laughing at it, but I'm not even making a joke about it. Like, it's actually like, it's very good. Now, I, I have to admit, like, I, a lot I, of my I movies like, have, this year are about like unconventional love stories. I just realized that it's like, call yeah. me by your name, your name, this. Yeah. It's just no, there's just some does. good ones. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is my favorite. I'm saying this is the favorite, like, I don't know, for. It was a no, good year for right. love, a, I think, in cinema. It, I think it's just yeah. No, I agree year. with you. I take that back. I take that back. I think this is like up there in the list for me. But I do agree with you that there's a lot of like indie stuff out there that's actually done very particularly well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's yeah. kind of cool because neither of them can really like communicate, right? Like she can't speak and she can only communicate via sign language. I have uh, I have to admit that when that happened, I was like I was getting like very concerned. Like I really wanted the monster to learn how to speak over time. I don't know because I, I like uh, wanted him to be. There is some ambiguity about whether or not he actually loves her, which I think is part of the tragedy of the movie. There's sort of like this hint in that the movie, especially if you watch it a second time, that like it's quite possible the monster is just kind of mimicking her and not actually learning words, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um Yeah, I wondered about that, especially when we get towards um I think it's when the um the singing scene happens right. when they're right. sitting together at the table. You'll never know how much because they can't actually. There's only, I mean, they can communicate, you know, via like sex, but that's like it kind of. And there is like when you're watching them sit across each other from that table, I was kind of thinking we're pretty far into the movie now. And like, I still don't know like why they're in love other than the fact that they just kind of get each other and fit together. Like it's very, it is very romanticized romance which is I, which is my which is my problem with this movie a little bit it's 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 not yeah, romance it's my problem with you like straight up calling it one of the better romances of the year well, but I think, again, I think, I no no okay know. let me let me take uh, let me i uh, thank you guys i love coming to this <laughs> podcast because you make me roll back my statements left yeah, right yeah, and yeah. well you already uh, started back <laughs> no no no, no but uh, here's what i'll say i think it i think it is all sexual attraction and that's the thing and, it, and i don't mean to call it romance i mean to call it like it's not a love story where like love ends at the end i think that it is like it's like it's it's about her yeah. and she is the only like true character because this fish man is just like the person that she projects her sexual fantasies onto and like mm-hmm. it's a more about like her internalized like trapped in her own thing because it, it, it is it is like referencing her as a princess and to that extent i think it's very good and, and that's that it's, why like, it's great and kind of why i think we respond to it so well is like oh this is you know like i i don't want to like make it black and white feminism versus masculine or whatever. But like, you know, as a take on a fairy tale, this is like yeah. the male as the other. And, and like right. you were saying, kind of like the projected upon partner and, and like, it is a fish man. Yeah. And there's always a sexual <laughs> element to fairy tales. Often there, there usually is some sort of like deeper sexual yeah. element to them. And especially if you read like the very old school, non-sanitized versions. Um, and yeah, what I really liked about this movie is that it felt like, 
it definitely is about sex. So you start the movie with her masturbating like very early on. So it's very clearly Guillermo del Toro being like, this is about sex. Like sex is I, important about this yeah. movie. And then yeah. I think it's like three minutes. Yeah. It's movie, very and quickly. Um, and, yeah. and I think the, uh, for me, what I, the, the sort of theme I took away from it is sort of, sort of taking sex versus sharing sex because Michael Shannon's character wants to take sex. Like, he loves her yeah. because she can't talk back. Like, his ultimate idea is a woman he can just fuck who won't talk back to him. Like, it's such a God, gross, yeah. horrible view of sex. And her vision of sex is she can't talk, he can't talk, but they can at least share intimacy together. The, it's intimacy um, versus, you know, conquering or something like that. Right. Yeah. Well, right. And I love, one of the, my favorite parts is when they cross-cut between them making love in this, like, magical, realistic, very Guillermo de Toro, how is the water all inside the room? Of course it doesn't make physical sense, but you go with it. And then they go, they cut that to just, like, um, what Strickland just, like, fucking his wife and making it look like, you know, even though they're a married couple and whatever, like, it's just fucking, even though they're married and everything, and, like, the, the contrast of the two. Right, she I, starts talking I would argue and he's something, like, shut up, you know? Yeah, yeah. I would argue oh, well, that, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then I think that's the thing, is, like, I think maybe that's, like, maybe, like, the Michael Shannon bit for me is a little too much on the nose. It's <laughs> like, a little, like, it's a little saucy. It's I, was, I was, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm, I'm saying it's a, Bold statement. I like it. I like where everything yeah, in this movie's at. I just like it's a maybe lot of roll Shannon. back that like like, like it's a lot. <laughs> it's even it's more Shannon like than ten percent less Michael Shannon ass. It's funny too because I, mean, I he had rips just off his own the... fingers at some point. Like that's a that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot. That was that was oh, yeah. the, that was the bit of the uh, performance where it lost me a little bit. Whereas like I I like don't know if like it like what are all the fingers symbolize, man? Are those like his pleasuring fingers? The rotting like... truth under the American dream. No, he was he was down the pillars on top of like the philistines and killing them all and yeah there's a lot of biblical references yeah that's what he was Mm -hmm. doing Mm -hmm. no what so right what was interesting to me so i'll I'll push back a little bit on the on the love story because i think you could you could see it from the perspective that like she is using the fish monster for sex and like the fish monster is using her to like escape the facility um which i didn't really think about initially when i had seen it but uh now that you guys have brought this up like it's an interesting, like, I think you can, you can have that interpretation of like what was going on there. Um, I disagree. Yeah. I think I, it's, I think it's present I, I in think, both ways though. I, I think the beauty of the end of the movie is, isn't the better story that they were in love. Like that's Giles's whole point. Like maybe this mm-hmm. fish did drag her down and she drowned and it's really sad, but Hey, Ooh. I, I draw jello commercials. Aren't those more fun than real life? Like wouldn't you rather be well, in the no, happy no, no, jello but, commercial, you know, where she lives? Yeah. And-, and I think, I think that's the thing is like Giles sees none of that. He just sees her like t- carried off, which is, that's like, that's like the yeah. whole image that inspired the movie is like the, the fish monster carrying away the damsel in distress. And they, uh-huh. they're recreating that at the exact end. Cause it's the climax of the movie where he's taking her to some unknown ends and she never knew, but it's like, she has her own sexuality fantasy that's going on inside her own head. But it's, it's Gilmore Toro. And the nice thing about going into the Guillermo del Toro movie is that other than Pacific Rim, it really doesn't matter what actually happens at the end. <laughs> well, it's it's a very similar ending to other than the fact that it Pan. Labyrinth Pan. Wii, it thing, rewinds yeah. from the beginning, yeah. but it is, it is kind of similar. In that it, it's uh, it's almost it's almost an identical ending to Pan's in its own way. Uh, but this one, I feel like is and maybe that's maybe that's to my own fault. Like I feel like this one's more explicit about her surviving. Um, but because yeah. it is Guillermo del Toro, I'm sort of like eh, it's up in the air type of thing. You well, know what what's I mean? so beautiful about it? and makes it uh, more than what it would be in the hands of another director, I feel like, are the scars on her neck that turn out to be, oh, those are for where your gills that are supposed to be. such a fucking cool motif. 
Yeah. yeah. Like all the way through. Like and, and like how it is. That's what I love and, about and my Totoro. girlfriend brought up those details. Go ahead, well, hold on, Ben. Go ahead, Ben. What was it? Yeah. Sorry, who you said Ben twice. Let me I said ben, I, ben. I, have, I, have, I have an insert and then Ben can continue. I'm sorry, I just wanted to like uh, add on that my, my girlfriend brought up like she shows her scars and is self conscious about her scars and like who she lets see them, which mm. is not something that I noticed. Mm, but that's interesting. No, definitely. Like the like the like the way she wears her stuff and like and that's the other thing is like, you know, the sad gay man next door that's the you know the, the starving artist as it will, like she shows she lets him down and that's like you always know when she is is like you can see her neck or not. Yeah. Uh. Huh. And like, and that's, and that's actually, it's actually like, and I think in the first sequence, it's literally like who she presents her neck to in that first sequence is like shows who her friends and who are not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's, and that's just like subtle body language that I don't know if that's the actor. I imagine this is Gilmer cause this, this is kind of shit. And it's a good performance by the lead actor. Holy shit. Like, well, yeah. let's talk about this movie period because everyone in this movie is like, like, and like, I think there was like a movie Bob said it too. He's like, yeah, you put a bunch of great character actors under a great director. What the fuck did you think was going to happen? Which is <laughs> yeah, just true. his glib way of being honest. But I do think all of the performances are really fucking good. No, I don't know where Michael Shannon in the end was oh, going yeah. a little bit. Uh, I don't know where that was going. Um, I think the weakest element of the movie is the writing because you look at Guillermo having done the story and then also the screenplay, co-written the screenplay. And for me, the epitome of that was the scene where the general, um, I think it's a general, the higher military figure is is, um, uh, smoting the, I don't know, (laughs) um, like the the ego of um, Strickland of uh, what's his name? So you're just talking about his character, Michael Shannon. Uh, Michael Shannon. He's yeah. like, you're nothing. You'll never be anything because this and society this. And I'm just like, eh, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little but I don't mind. It's right. Little. Like and, and, that's, and that's very, and, that, and that's again. I think that's the thing. I think they're handling the fish romance and like non traditional romance better than they are making a statement yeah. on like society as a whole. So what do you think Strickland is all about? I'm curious. I, I really that's what I wanted to talk to you all about most. I don't mean to like. Take the uh the reins or anything but like that's the question i have for y'all is what y'all got out of strickland yeah you just said you didn't really know where i was going his big candy monologue was like the big part of it was like you know where he he either just he either consumes or he like takes his time you know like the sinister candy monologue as i will refer to it from now on so i i think i don't think the movie did a good enough job like explaining this but i mean i think i really do think it's like the unconventional romance versus like the traditional romance Mm -hmm. and kind of saying that you know even though these people don't really know each other and you know they're kind of different species almost right like Uh it's still it's still like a more true sort of love than you have you know in a very traditional setting where like presumably michael shannon and his wife have been married for a while they've got kids you know they've got the white picket fence and he's got the cadillac and saying that that's less of a (laughs) you know that's less of a of a of a love than than what you know what's going on with like the there's so many there's so many there's so much use of americana for michael shannon's character yeah so like and that's and that's maybe like 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 what's the grander statement here uh about Mm -hmm. america because that's clearly what the intention is to make here exactly and and, and that's and part of it's that soviet paranoia but that's just like you know the vintage of it like how is that relevant you know i feel like it it's so in interesting that, because also like, I always feel that Gambito is best when he's making Spanish language fairy tales. Like Devil's right. Backbone is my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time. 
and Pan's Labyrinth is, of course, a masterpiece, and I love Kronos as well. And I'm like, if I was Spanish, would I think his movies are a little cliche? <laughs> like, like, is it just the language <laughs> thing? Like, well, if you're just... Spanish, you would be supposedly from like one of the videos I watched about Devil's Backbone and Pan's being part of a trilogy he wants to make about the Spanish Civil War. You'd be like, oh, I've never really seen anyone tackle this subject before. This supposedly, is true. This from is true. I, yeah, <laughs> like, it's true. Right. It's a very, it's a very, yeah, and, so. and the Spanish Civil War is very different and something he. You know, he knew people who lived through, so it's understandable. Like he understands that a little better, and he lived in Mexico in a shitty time, and his dad got kidnapped. So, like, he's he's lived through some shit, and I think he can speak to that better than like you know racism in the '60s. You know, because it's maybe not just quite his wheelhouse, and he does have sort of a a yeah. weirdly nostalgic view of racism in the '60s. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's almost like maybe, weirdly very. Maybe, maybe that's like. Maybe that's the thing is like I I don't doubt like like his interpretation of this individual isn't is correct like you know there probably was he's a very you know, obviously like people yeah. were racist yeah he's of a time well, and that's cool as just, as with the um as, as with the like uh the water scene in the bathroom and in the beginning and the magical realism of it it's very overstated and hyperbolic and like hyper real like the Americana like you were saying Jack right so it's not supposed to be like completely grounded and real well uh, here's the thing guess, that we but, can't here's the thing we can't get away from it and. I think that's the big thing that we want us to make a statement and I don't like to use and here's the here's the reason I don't like to use the term I have no problem with the term and having it like a like an academic discussion about it but toxic masculinity would be the thing but I want to yeah. keep it in the I don't like I know it's triggers everyone out there but I do want to have an academic term because it is kind of what's in play here because yeah. it is in terms of Shannon it's about domination it's about yeah. you know the promises of, to the American man and the promises that he is expecting again I don't want to mention that there's like four white guys on this cast. <laughs> so this yeah, is not the, well, the foil that, you, know, you bring up a good point. Like uh, Shannon's foil isn't so much Eliza as it is the German scientist. Yeah. Uh, what's his right. name? Like absurdly right. cliche German name. I can't, can't Dr. Dr. Hofstetler. Hofstetler. Dr. Michael Stuhlberg. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I just don't want a beautiful thing to be destroyed. Like it's so, you know, I mean, it's, that's literally the line guys. <laughs> and that's where yeah. I think what the question is like is Eliza just the one character who's out of place in a different movie you know what I mean because it almost is a 60s monster movie with the sympathetic scientist who's usually like the person who understands the creature is not as mean and the evil government employee and you know the secret Russian spy who's also the you know like it, it, it feels like it's a little bit of like trading in a lot of those old B movie you know, you know what's amazing well, to me is that, and that, here's the thing too. Go ahead, Sean. No, I, I was just it. gonna say that like all of the, all of the supporting actors, other than like the German scientist potentially or the Russians or whatever the fuck he is, the Russian scientist, are also like not traditional characters, right? So like you know, got Zelda, uh, who's like a black woman, and then the Giles, who's like a gay guy. Yeah. So I really do think yeah. they're like pushing on the you know, non-traditional versus traditional kind of dichotomy. Well, Giles is like I the wanna- ultimate. Uh, face this real quick is the ultimate kind of view of that because he is like painting the Americana that we're talking about and he is yeah. like, this interesting guy who right. like the, I think a very interesting moment where it's race riots on TV and he switches it over to 1930s musicals yeah know? and he says he doesn't want to think about it right. that's a great point yeah, yeah. he kind of is the representation and- of like Let's just paint the happy jello people and let's ignore the horrible <laughs> yeah. racism and awfulness. Yeah. And then he gets confronted with it when he tries to flirt with a guy and he sees he's both 
little bit. This is where like another over the top scene where it's like, did he have to be racist and homophobic? Like I'm sure <laughs> he was, right. but it was like right, right. before he got to be homophobic, think, he got to just squeeze in a little racist. There's like well, it was part there's of the like ten percent less, man, ten percent yeah. less everywhere, and that's not right. not on the like I think Elisa is in the right place with the entire relationship, but like I didn't need to have a conversation about how his like like fish stick works. Um, <laughs> that was, and I also uh, didn't need to, ha- I didn't need, I didn't need like, I'll never to, forget didn't that need, he didn't need to be like racist and black. He didn't need to be being pushed out of a company. Cause that slide plot just didn't make a ton of sense. Uh, yeah. I was kind of wondering what was implied there besides, like, I don't think it was his sexuality or his minority or anything as much as it was just, well, uh, part just of his, changing like, times. Yeah. That like they said, they're doing photos instead of drawing. Well, yeah. And he's an artistic individual and, but he's not actually an artist and he's ended up making partly not just because what I mean, and this, you know, like I, I identified with partly not just cause it's easier and you've got to like make money somehow that he did commercial, but he's also considered like a coward and Eliza's bringing the home, the fish guy, like not only inspires him to paint, artistically really for the first time it also inspires him to like actually do some shit and commit to something she you know tells him when whenever she gets him involved in the heist against his better judgment so. well yeah the coward bit especially like all the pies in the fridge yeah those are great, like, that's, oh, that's great little visual detail fridge. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what i Good love God. about del toro it's just those it little is, details that he yeah. that he has in those movies are just ah oh, they make me so happy like devil's yeah, backbone is one of those I th- and i think chaos. i think that I think that's a that's a great Trevor point as well. Like I do think there's maybe a difference in the level of like him as a director versus the level in his script. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, like well, there's a level is... of corniness to this approaches in certain points here that yeah. isn't efferent and like and like how all the details fit together to make an impressive movie, which is one of those things that like yeah. this has been an amazing silent movie. <laughs> mm, right. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, I feel like I feel like and I feel like also like all the other characters like having to blare up title card screens for this whole thing. Like, I think that would have been really, really cool. Sorry, I really like he talked about like a black and white version of this movie and I can't get that idea out of my mind, um, though. I have to admit the color, the and color the saturation is, 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 is no, so... the color so good. Yeah, I know. Red and green motif that I thought was very interesting. I don't even know if it represents, yeah. but there's like a lot of very bright greens and very bright reds as well, like blood in this movie is like so viscerally like yeah dark and I wanna, open i want to get to one point that i've i've had about these for a little bit of a while um and i think it's interesting to me uh because we consider kind of the monster genre as a whole kind of like schlock as is mm-hmm. and they all come from like and, and we're kind of we're kind of like giving del toro this like this like credit for like elevating schlock and at the same time, yeah. it's really just a re-elevation of the same bloody material because, like, it all stems from like Mary Shelley and like Frankenstein and all of this stuff that like really was deep, like, like physical, like, was it like Frankenstein specifically was a really, really fucking deep look at like human psyche and like your perceptions of the world. Well, and all these what other you're bringing and, up and tying it to is the gothic and like Guillermo de Toro has a great sense of the gothic. He did a gothic romance, Crimson Peak, right, before he did but this, just, but like Frank and, and Frankenstein's like the original gothic novel. But right. like, do you, do you associate the gothic quality with like shitty sci-fi movies from like the fifties or whatever? Though? No, but the, the shitty sci-fi movies, the shittiness of sci-fi movies and the association with shitty sci-fi movies is because the quality of the people making the sci-fi, and like the budget that they had to work with at the time just unelevates them. Yeah, it <laughs> unelevates the material. And that's the thing is like, I don't think we're, we shouldn't give him credit for like reinventing the wheel. He's really just re elevating the same sci fi stories to right. what they were initially. But I think, I think his, his gothic aesthetic bring, that he brings to monsters and monster making is 
do you, uh, well, I guess, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not like, you know, as well schooled in film as you guys are, but like I struggle to think of since Frankenstein, another great example of that monster movies. I mean, I mean, I haven't seen the original mummy or shit either, but uh, I think, I don't know for, I don't know. Like he no, does, I, I'm you know, talking not about like a movie. I'm talking man, about the but... books that like inspired these particular monsters uh, and the sci-fi that inspired this. And that it yeah. really comes from like the romantic yeah. period and a reinvention of the idea. And it, yeah. It, it and that and that's like that's debatable because like Shelley is like you know Prometheus like she invented it and I, well not again it's like who okay well it's reinterpretations uh, of a million things yeah right no I just like my my point is that this is one of the things that I love to do that happens in cinema like you know m- one of my favorite all time circles is like you have Yojimbo and then you get a, oh, you know a for dollars. a fistful of dollars mm-hmm. and then you get the Sierra Leone trilogy and then you it goes all yeah. the way back to like Asia and with the good the right. bad and the weird. And I just for me, that's it's like how that, Bond influences Born, and then Born influences Bond, and then you know. right, right. Sort I like. I just want to point out. Yeah. I just want to point out the circle <laughs> of that we have like these deep intellectual books that then spawn these shitty monster series, and now we have a director re elevating them back to I the original see. level. Yeah, I, I I'm, wasn't not, I'm not making a big it. comment about anything, but I just, I just want to be like aware of that narrative of what he's actually doing, and that's like yeah. the thing is that he could actually be pulling from the things that inspired these shitty things in the from first the place. From the actual source, the I actual say, books. Yeah, I don't I, all those like, shitty. Yeah. I think some of those monster movies are pretty great, but like, I know no, what you're no, saying. I, I, they're more basic. You know, I get that. We're saying, yeah. I, that, I'm not calling. I'm not calling like a generation of monster movies shitty. Not, you know what I mean? Like, no, right but you know, we, yeah, it's all thing. We we, <laughs> no. we value them a lot more in homage and things like yeah. Ed Wood and and. For some people, monsters versus aliens. Oh god! <laughs> and like, that movie, that movie is great. <laughs> I mean, the only I'm, I feel really weird about that movie still. I, I just I, feel like, like that movie and B movie are both written by someone who had a gigantism fetish, and it weirds me out. Both of them. Like, <laughs> no, she is sexualized. It's like, movie. oh, like, she's uh, so big, super sexualized. <laughs> oh, she could crush me. Oh, like it says, I can feel it. <laughs> yeah. I can feel it. <laughs> no, that that's I. I feel like there's like somebody on the, on like the design team for that movie had a war fetish. Right, like, it's just doing it. It's doing something for somebody and i don't like it <laughs> like somebody like if somebody was making that you're just like somebody like watched that episode of like futurama and was like i like snoo snoo no. <laughs> i mean what am i gonna animate for the next six months <laughs> oh, don't give animators free reign <laughs> yeah <laughs> i still think there's like a place for for these kinds of movies though because i mean if you oh. think about good monster movies like the only one i can think of that wasn't made by guillermo del toro uh, recently was like a monster calls from I guess two years 2016 now. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, kind of doing a really neat story, um, but integrating the monster in a way that like elevates the story. Um, I, I do think there's a place for that, and I you know I I enjoy kind of seeing that because I, I don't think there's enough of that kind of genre in the in the movies nowadays. And going in and seeing something a little different is always kind of fun. Well, I think it's also yeah that we're starting to approach like adult fairy tales is sort of interesting to me like they, we're seeing more and more of that and i think i think because people are starting to become more literate about fairy tales you can't just recreate them which is why they're done either very boringly like snow white and the huntsman where it's like what if snow white had a sword <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah that's that's Whereas, just a reappropriation I, I feel like the bigger point in that movie is less about fairy tales and more the reappropriation of princesses right it's right. just it's Whereas just, it's just this, trying to put a uh the you know, a marketable blanket on a very traditional. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not giving Snow White the credit of trying to reappropriate princesses. No, we're I'm not just saying we're not giving them, them any yeah. credit. We're, we, we're no refused. credit. <laughs> no <laughs> credit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't allow it. Um, 
I, I this is been... one of those movies that, like, in conversation, like, I'm just, like, regret, like, not being very specific with my terminology. Yeah. <laughs> like... Well, it's one of the things that you bring up as interesting about Guillermo Toro is what if he does actually directly adapt something more traditional? And the one I keep thinking of is The Tempest. Like, I, I can imagine a very good Guillermo del Toro Caliban, you know? Oh, but God, does, yes. But Guillermo so del Toro just, loves... My skin just crawled a little bit thinking about that. Yeah, but Guillermo del Toro loves, you know... He's a very literate person, but he tends to more go towards the, I don't know. Well, Jack brought up the idea earlier to me. stuff, yeah. I'm really depressed that I typed in Caliban into Google and it gave me, like, the Marvel Comics character. Uh, (laughs) You should be. Like, that actually depresses me a little bit. Damn it. Like, he's like a D-list X-Men at best. (laughs) I mean, X-Men villain at best. Jesus. Is it because of the Logan movie? He's using Logan? Yeah, yeah I think he must movie. be hot right now. Because like the first image that come pops up is the guy from the Logan movie. Uh, mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Go ahead, Trevor. What are you what are you saying? Uh had a couple things. Uh Ben was talking about calling it an adult fairy tale again and is like the one who brought up, I think, originally that it has like the sexuality of adult of, of fairy tales integrated in that. And but I think like in a lot of fairy tales, you're used to seeing sexuality portrayed as kind of a uh, as something prohibitive, or you know, like yeah. um, you know, warnings about sex, like Red Riding Hood. Whereas this, the whole point of it is an adult fairy tale that's permissive about sex, and like that, yeah. those yeah. those shots and those decisions that Eliza makes are so very. Um, like licensing and empowering other uh, rather uh, besides being fantastical and indulgent i think and the other thing was jacket you had brought up i wanted to tell you like where you got this like it's kind of like a flipped little mermaid where uh, oh yeah the (laughs) voice thing Mm -hmm. so this is like it is like yeah so my my take on it is like you know it is i think it's I, i don't know how much of this is intentional but like every bit of it like i always i go to like i don't know like i i like had to like go and read up about frankenstein and mary shelley to make that like what i think is probably a more legitimate connection to this film series i mean mm-hmm. to this film but like the one that immediately pops into my mind is is like the disney version or is the the hans christian anderson v- version of like little mermaid whereas this is the inverse like she's pining after like but the, you know again it doesn't work because like what's the male characteristics of the fish monster so you would render him as a fish monster versus that but i do think it's a fun inversion and also she can't speak in the same way as well as like like him trying to take away her voice in the same sort of not take her away but like that being the attractive like you know the whole point that michael shannon's thing is he has like there's this there's there is a there is like a history in fairy tales of like women losing their voices a little bit like it happens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and mermaid flips it a bit but that's just a part of the fairy tale in the original version is that she loses her voice Mm. and then can't like essentially tell him I mean, it all, it does go poorly for her. Like that's that's yes. it, it does go yeah, really poorly. <laughs> but at the same time, like it is like it is like kind of a, like a like a sex trope of like the perfect silent women woman. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's an interesting point. It, no, it's gross. It's gross. This, this whole thing is like super gross. Like. Like even just like anyone's standards, like him's like, can you squawk for me? Oh, oh god! That was, oh, that was, that was again. So that was another like 
needs to come back 10% moment for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, <laughs> like okay, that's... he doesn't need to, like, question the noise she made. I don't know. Let's just, like, do that. Yeah. It's like, it's like, little... I bet I could, like, use squawk or whatever. And maybe, maybe that's, like, like... The, 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 obviously it had an effect on me. Would you, Ben, call that, like, good filmmaking that it did have that... Yes, yes. I think it's supposed to be d- deeply Visceral uncomfortable. Effect, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, deeply uncomfortable is what they're obviously going for. So maybe the fact that, like, I do think that, like, maybe like the on the nose moments is what I need to separate from like the moments that like really deeply disturbed me. Like maybe that yeah. Shannon moment is highly effective. Maybe the Shannon like, maybe like the covering her mouth during sex with like the bloody fingers, which was also just like from my That's perspective. Really gross. Oh, God, yeah. that, that was more like a, that was more like just a visceral like oh. Honey, you're getting oh. blood on the pillows. No, <laughs> she's just like, hey, she just cleaned those babe. sheets. That's the thing, man. Guillermo doesn't fuck around like that. I could not believe that when he came out, he ate that cat. He ate that cat head first. Oh, I, was like, I love that. I was, like, like, uh, I was like, wow, he did it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> he right, ate that more. cat. You're lucky. Yeah. You're lucky. I, I also love how like I love, I love how he's like he's like being he's like petting like five cats in the next like two minutes. I know. Right. Well, the great thing about that moment functionally is that like he and Eliza are always so understanding that this thing is that you know there's there's no take of a like a subplot or something about misunderstanding in a movie where communication is so important. There's no frustrating like oh you hate my cat I hate him I gotta turn him in like kind of you know like you know. Instead, he's just like, ah, I know he didn't mean to do anything wrong. Like, it's right, just, right, yeah. It's, it's so relieving to not see that. <laughs> he's just so happy so. when his hair's back. It's so adorable. He's just so oh, happy. Oh, God, yeah, the hair. And it, 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 it's such an E.T. thing, too. Like, that's so... Mm, you know, that's true, yeah. It's kind of E.T.-ish as well. Yeah. What, but here's the other bit, too, is that, like... Both Michael Shannon's character and uh, Giles... What's his name? Giles. Giles. Yeah. Played by, uh, Giles. Okay, I wasn't far off. Always awesome. Um, no, I know who the actor is. I just yeah. like I, I. I need to. I, I keep calling him Michael Shannon's character too. So I don't, I don't know why I can't remember anyone's Strickland. name. But you can voice... remember Michael Shannon's name because he's strict. Strict. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm more familiar with Michael Shannon's like filmography than anyone else in this film. Um, but like. Uh, I do think that both have a little bit of this sense of robbed masculinity. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. and that's kind of like echoed in both characters. And it's weird how like it is about her story and her coming to terms with like her her feelings with like this raw force of masculinity mm-hmm. and like how she does it and how like honestly like she can't deal a little bit with well she can deal with it but like dealing with the fact that like it may not care about her and coming back to her, this like I don't know what I want to say here but like I do think it is interesting that dynamic and then you see like giles handling and kind of growing up and kind of being rewarded for handling his loss of masculinity and and kind of an inefficiency versus uh michael shannon he's got to rip off his own fingers (laughs) i think the line and i part of me wants to rewatch it for is michael shannon's like climax it goes in a different direction than I was kind of thought where he, you know, he shoots the fish mon- man and he says, I got it done or something like to that effect. I can't mm-hmm. remember what the exact yeah. line is, yeah. but it's not, you know, it's about maintaining his status and, you know, for the general, not like pushing him into zero, but it, more than that, it's a sense of accomplishment and that he did not just what he was ordered to do, but it, that he feels like he accomplished something 
that does kind of feed into that, for lack of a better, like, less divisive term, toxic masculine kind of, like, motif, I think, is that that idea of productivity. And then, like Giles, I guess you were saying, doesn't really have a place in the world either because he's part of a lost art. So, well, and that's the thing is like it's they're both like railing against their loss of like their place in yeah. the grander sense. And Giles has already lost it, and Michael Shannon is just spinning his wheels to regain it. And I it. think it also is important that Octavia Spencer's husband is like a good for nothing sit home watch TV guy after he gets off work. If he even works, I don't think he even works. I think she supports the household. And I is- was not a I was not a fan of that whole bit, to be honest. Was that me. a little too much for you too, or like? I was I mean, because it goes with the same theme that you're talking about. Well, I just don't know. I, I I guess like I maybe this is like racism. I might not racism, but like maybe like character archetyping with Octavia Spencer. Like I wanted her to have like own, not like a. She was. It was a little like after yeah. seeing her in in Hidden Figures of All Things to see her it's as a maid. It was, kinda, it was a little role. painful. There's like a there's like what? a certain Octavia Spencer role that keeps coming up where she's like the helpful yeah. friend and it's like yeah. a little much sometimes yeah I understand yeah. And maybe and maybe that's just my like placement of her as a character outside of the context of this movie like that may not be fair on my part but I see her pop and I'm like oh okay yeah like it it, right. it almost feels racist she was, she was a parts. lot better than like the help for sure but like yeah it's, it's, right the help is the help is not a great movie no, no. well this movie oh, i feel like this, with this the movie white savior kind of shit yeah, oh yeah yeah, that's pretty yeah. yeah. no this movie needed uh, okay movie but it, this movie needed octavia spencer like being sassy on screen though because like it, you know there's just so much like dark shit going on that like i needed it's true I, I don't i do admit i do admit that like the role that she played through the whole thing was like totally necessary oh, i just yeah. don't necessarily like you needed and she and that's the thing is like having octavia spencer coming on and being comic relief is like i don't know and it also like fits in with the role of uh, like the outsider and everything else in the time period and and bringing that into context and bringing kind of the racism into context of everything else uh since like she doesn't like she's not, like elisa is not directly i mean she's targeted with like the same racist sense but not in the exact same way that octavia is so it kind of puts it all into the same I think we were getting at is del toro's painting with very broad strokes right. and he's trying to paint like the right minority friendly sort of america in the 60s 50s whatever picture but it's still in very broad strokes yeah <laughs> right. right and that's either gonna work for you or and it's not and i do feel like it's probably part of the weaker side of the film and it's writing right okay let's get on to uh, uh, any last words before we get on to scores no, I think it's all well said. Yeah. I just want to quickly say two things. One, the score is awesome. Alexander Desplat really, oh, yeah. really pulls oh, yeah. it out this time. And uh, I really enjoyed all the practical effects in this movie. Uh, the opening oh, shot. Oh, can you talk? Can, let's let's have a chat about that. I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you specifically about that because yeah. oh, the opening. No, the opening well, that the opening in the man. Uh, yeah, the opening is what's it's a process called dry for wet which is a real term uh, where they fill a studio with smoke and a flickering sort of light. And it creates the illusion that you're underwater. So that whole thing was filmed in a completely dry soundstage, but with like ropes and blowing fans and a combination and slow-mo. And it creates this really cool ethereal effect that doesn't quite look like you're underwater, but is very, I think very interesting and very old school and has been around forever. Um, I think it has, I think it has, uh, I think it fit in with the rest of the movie and also just sort of like the uh, aesthetic of the movie because it also has that like, it has that like underwater, I feel like it has that distinct 
Bioshock flavor. Not bio. I don't want to keep. I don't want to keep calling like Art Deco underwater like Bioshock flavor. Because that's what it is. Like we can be more descriptive. <laughs> Art Nouveau. <than that. laughs> yeah, and uh, and the other thing is, yeah, the the Fishman is is awesome. He's really really well designed. He is Completely cool. practical. The eyes are practical. The little blinking was totally uh, practical yeah yeah, yeah. So. and also it was fucking cheap like i'm amazed how cheap that right? is. Million? Yeah. yeah that's insane and, that, and that's and that's that is good filmmaking and just that like they used every fucking i actually don't know how that's possible with like some of the actors that they had in this some some people probably took pay cuts or like back De- um, shannon yeah. definitely and i bet octavia spencer as well yeah, when you get yeah. to like some prestige stuff, they're like, "Well, you take a pay cut, but it's like a really good project." You know, right, right, no, no. I, this is this is the film. I, I bet this was a this this is amazing. Like, I I really it's 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 up there in some of my favorite films of this year. Um, as well as I, yeah. Well, that's how I, I just I probably dislike a lot of like the quote unquote best movies of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lady Bird. Um, I like classic, it. Classic Lady Bird is crack. better than this. I'll give you that, Ben. All right. All right. I only like Lady Bird a little more than this, so it's close. It's very close. Oh, as long as they're in like the same category, is all I'm, that's all I care about. They're in my top Let's five. Yeah. Again, it sounds like it's time for scores. Yeah, yeah score this bitch. <laughs> all right, uh, first up, let's talk. Uh, let's do you, Sean. Um, you know, it's it's a tough one to score because it's like I technically it's really strong. Like it, you know, there there are some really cool scenes in it, and I thought it was. I thought it was a tight story, and I enjoyed the story. It was like fun watching it. Um, same time, like I don't, I wouldn't recommend this movie to everybody. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff going on. Like, you've got to really see it. Uh, you know, I think with with the right group of folks. And I was glad that like we saw this together, Jack. Because I'm not. I want to. I want to say this. I've <laughs> lost. Favorite. I've lost the ability to pick movies in my family because of this movie. <laughs> I sent my mother to see this movie. That was a huge mistake. Yeah. She, was, she was very, very upset that he wasn't like a person by the end. Like she was just very upset that he was like by the end. She's oh, like, she right. doesn't know if he loves him. It's a terrible story. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like what if like, Beast was saying, still like, a beast at the end? Yeah. 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 That was definitely like, that was like, she's like, she kissed him. Maybe he should have been pretty at the end of it. I, <laughs> I love my mother, but, like, like mom, you, you missed you miss the point. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> go ahead, Sean. Yeah, so it, it was good. I agree with you that there are the there are a lot of moments that could have been dialed back just a touch. Like, you know, I don't know if it needed to be on quite as on the nose all the time. Uh, but at the same time, it, it could have probably elevated like the central theme of the movie, like this whole at least what I kind of took as a central theme, which is this whole, uh, you know. Uh, kind of conventional relationship versus unconventional relationships idea. Overall, I thought it was really good. I would give it a hmm, give it like a seven point seven five. I think it's right. Oh. Really? <laughs> You're splitting. Round that up and down. Go to like go to an eight or go to a seven point five. You're killing you me. Pick one. We don't do that anymore. All right. Oh. Like, that's, that's this really is a pitchfork. You gotta pick. <laughs> Come on. I'll give it a seven and a half. Oh, he went down. Shaka. Another shaka. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Okay. Trevor, you're up next. (laughs) 
Uh, I just want to say real quick, my favorite uh, thing that you told me about this movie is that when you and Sean were watching it and the scene happened where she like closes the curtain and it cuts away, you were like, go back to the fish sex. <laughs> no, we were like, I was very freaked out because everyone had talked about it. And I was like, I was like, if that is all the fish sex we get, I will riot. <laughs> People have built this up so much. I need to see them bone. Let's do it. If it if it just suggests that it happened, I was actually gonna lose my mind. Which is interesting yeah. that like that was like one of the movie that was like the moment that I realized this movie was pretty good. That like I like was so invested. Like, in this, come like, on, yeah, <laughs> come yeah. on, bone already, goddammit! Fish sex, fish sex. <laughs> I think despite its um, what 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 is a conflict for me and rating as a critic is how competent. Uh, the director is and I know him to be from the first moment of that first shot you feel like you're in good hands with his understanding of his aesthetic that he's working in and the themes and motifs he's he's infusing throughout the film so that the script of it being kind of like in broad strokes as we've kind of seem to have come to a consensus on seems to be sort of in conflict with that softer hand um, in terms of like the movie's ideas but Despite that, I think it still has some rewatch value, maybe if, for me at least, especially for that reason. I want to watch it again and see if I can't, you know, kind of pick that apart a little bit more for myself. Um, and there is just so much and so much detail and so much to love and enjoy in it. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. And um, yeah, that's all I have to say. Yeah. All right. Uh, ben, you're up next. All righty. So I'll say my scores always going to be inflated with a del toro movie he's just one of my favorite directors he's just mm-hmm. technically one of those people that's just so fucking good i forgive even if i know this film has has even though it's an adult fairy tale they can only go so far <laughs> you know i understand that uh and it's it's one of those easy excuses where like, it's a fairy tale it's all right to be stupid well <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe it could be a little less but I can't deny just the this is the kind of film I want him to make more of low budget and uh, vital and interesting and creative and beautiful. I want more of this, less uh, Pacific Rim. So I'm glad he made this instead of Pacific Rim 2, actually. That actually is why he's not making Pacific I, Rim 2. Um, though Pacific Rim 2 will suffer because he's not making it, I agree. But I, I this is the kind of movie I love <laughs> from him. I love his... This is the closest it's kind of come to his... Uh, I love his, his, his blockbuster too, so I don't want to like shit on all of them. But like, it, it just now I feel like we really need this from him. I think we really need uh, a director with this kind of vision, this kind of creativity, and this kind of interesting reevaluation of of these old kind of tropes and to bring them back in a in a lovely way. It's just a nice tribute to cinema and it's a nice tribute to, I think. Uh, it's sort of a, a nicely coded queer story in a lot of ways, and I think it has a lot of very good. Uh, um, not even just good, fantastic performances and beautiful original um, designs and creativity and just amazing use of money and amazing use of special effects and old school styles and uh, just the details in the tutorial movie just make me so fucking happy. Just that fridge full of pies. Just is like, ah. Oh. <laughs> or the, the three things on the Such neck becoming gills. Fridge. It's like, ah. Oh. So perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's those kind of payoffs that makes me love it. So even if I understand that it's problematic, it just... It warms my heart. He's one of those directors who really makes me happy. So, 9 out of 10 for me for Shape of Water. 
We need to watch some bad uh, movies. I've been giving so many things nice scores. It's been annoying. No, we've <laughs> watched enough bad movies. Yeah, <laughs> we're stuck for another like six months or eight months. Yeah, yeah. I, I was about to say we're we're going into January, but like <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna be coming. <laughs> it will Ooh. be here soon enough. Like, <laughs> Can we watch Insidious? He's got ah, he's got no key hands. Here. Ooh, spooky key hands, man. <laughs> I really, I actually, I don't know. like I, 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 the commuter will be here soon enough. <laughs> oh, oh, god, yeah. that looks. Oh, yeah. I just want. I, I just want. I just want more Great Wall. I just want more Great Wall. Yeah, awesome, know, terrible movies. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm the last on. Uh, I, I, I'm the same with Ben. I, I am a fucking sucker for Guillermo del Toro movies, and I think that uh, it's the same thing. Uh, it's the same thing here with him. I think that he is. I think that's the thing. The difference. I agree with him. Is that like you get in you you. you yeah, you always know, especially like any level of like study of like film stuff. You always know when you're in the hands of like a very, 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 very competent director. And that's the thing is like I don't always think that his script is up to the level of direction that he is, mm-hmm. um, which is the difference here. And I think that's that's like the amazing thing about him. And I, and I I love him so much for that. But at the same time, like uh, I I admit that like maybe there's a, like maybe like a 5% going back and forth and maybe like a confusion in the script about like the level to which they want to go with uh kind of the Americana stuff. And I don't th- I also think that like he may not be the best person to handle some of the Americana stuff and it just may kind of be a backdrop punching bag for what is the the core movie which is a core the movie is about the relationship and the love, which is again, super fucking successful. Uh, again, one of my favorite movies of the year. So I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, I absolutely adore this movie. And I think it's also like, you know, people are like, Oh, the four, the last Jedi looks so good. Oh my God. Look at all this set design. This is fucking set design. God fucking damn it. Like <laughs> that's, that's how you have like a tweet comparison in there. <laughs> yes. I, I, I know. Just get that Jedi slam in there. And, and, and I actually think probably shape is better than lady bird. Just saying. Yeah. Um, I, like I actually want to raise my score to an 8.5 after listening to both uh, yours and, and Ben's. I, I, I forgot to say the thing I was looking for at the end of mine was that like I was so proud of Guillermo del Toro in this movie it's like you did it I know this is like a combination of so many different things that you like doing yeah it, it just, is it is kind of like it is kind of like you're just proud that he like made it do you know what I yeah. mean like, like, <laughs> it's it, it's it's just like oh thank god I'm 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 buying time to fucking do this math that you threw at me Trevor sorry like, <laughs> no I think I think I you all you all make good points I agree that it's like it's a cool movie, and I'm happy that it exists, and it was it was really good. But I mean, I don't know if I'd watch this one again. Like, <laughs> I'm happy that it exists, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my cup of tea. Yes, nope, John, please, please, please don't decide to change your score suddenly because that. Was- no, 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 no. I, it's, it's, it, the, the cutoff is done. No, the cutoff is <laughs> fucking done. Um, I gave it. I gave like in the initial with like an eight from Trevor was eight point two five, and then it's an eight. Like it's bumped up to an eight point three seven five. You're welcome. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and round it up to an eight point five <laughs> for Shape of Water because I can do shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> the host has the final call. <laughs> no, it's not. That's never been true. I, I like I barely. I have. I barely have control of you fuckers. Like, <laughs> like, like I. Been, I am spinning plates over here. Like, I've, 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 been, I've been cutting you off a lot. I'm sorry. I don't. No, 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 no. I love you. I love you. It's good because, like, let's be honest. I, I, as has people said on Twitter, I can, I can run away with conversations. Sounds good. <laughs> 
Twitter Slam. That's that's the name of the game. I don't know where we're going with this. Anyways, for the Movie Gang Podcast, Ben Haworth had to step out because he's got to go uh, watch some Golden Globe Awards. But the other people on this cast have been Trevor Flynn. Goodbye, everybody. And the lovely, as always, Sean Solis. Oh, thank you. Well, it's, it's been fun. Till next time. And I've been your host, Jack Newman. If you want to head on over to TuscanShed.com, you can check out all our other podcasts. We have Animania, which is going to get started on the uh, f- the winter season soon. We're really excited about that. We're also doing Geek Space Nine, uh, and we also have Live Long and Discover, which is coming back this uh, this January as well with the continuity of Star Trek Discovery. And we also uh, it's not it's going to be a while, but we may do some special episodes when the books release for a feast for bros. And coming out this February first is going to be the Pen and Paper Pod, the new Dungeons and Dragons uh, Tuscan Shed Media Network. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons podcast. That was confusing. Um, yeah, so go head on over, <laughs> check those out, listens to them. And then if you want to help support us, head on over to uh, to uh, the uh, TuscanShed.com backslash support us, where you can find a myriad number of ways to support us. If you would also appreciate supporting us, you can just stay tuned for a minute after this for a brief message from our sponsors. From everyone here at the Tuscan Shed Media Network and the Movie Gang Podcast, thanks for listening. <laughs>